With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Have you had your toast yet? It is Friday, April 15th, and what would be tax deadline day, but my uh, resident accountant, my co-host, informed me that your taxes aren't due today, and if you were like me, and you had to get those things in, and you thought you had to get them in, uh, you've been given some kind of a reprieve, you get to go through the weekend. Isn't that right? My accountant friend and co-host Emil Calamino. Yeah, well, don't don't you want to tell them why? I mean, see, sometimes when April fifteenth well, falls on a Saturday. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, once in a while this happens, it falls on a Saturday or Sunday, and then they let you do it on Monday. But this year, this year you're sitting there going, "Wait, April fifteenth is a Friday. Why can I file file my taxes on Monday?" Well, I was curious enough to find out. Apparently, April sixteenth is Emancipation Day. Uh, uh, President Lincoln signed uh, that document on April 16th, and of course, if you're a federal employee, that means you have to get a day off on April 16th. So, in their infinite wisdom, instead of saying, well, you know what, the 15th is a Friday, everybody files their taxes, we'll give you Monday off. No, 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 no. The government said, we're closed on Friday, April 15th. If you're a federal employee, you can listen to the Great Iron Stud Show today because you're not working. And you don't have to file your taxes the rest of you till Monday, April 18th. There you go. So, in case you didn't know, now you do know. We are very informative here on a number of issues on the Gridiron Social. It's, it's not just sports. I mean, look at that. You got a full breakdown no. on uh, why your taxes aren't due today. Correct. That's right. So there you we go. give you more than just sports. Do you want? Do, should we start talking real estate or anything, or do you want to just stick to sports? Uh, real estate, politics, all that. We don't need to get into all that. I don't want to turn this show into a flea market. So we'll just stick to sports today. I'll tell you one thing that has uh, really gotten under my skin, Emil, and that is what we see, the new trend that I'm noticing. I noticed it in February with the uh, announcement of Peyton, well, not the announcement, but Peyton Manning going out, uh, retiring after however many years he uh, played, what was that, 18, 19 seasons in the NFL? Yeah, well, I mean, he 97 was his senior year at Tennessee, right? So you got 98 through 26, so 15 seasons. 18. He, got, right. he gave us 18. 18, 18. seasons. That's 18 seasons in the NFL, filled with a bunch of greatness and great moments for the sports fans. And now 
Kobe Bryant going out after uh, close to two decades of service in the NBA. And I'm not just saying by service being just a guy. Um, he was uh, one of the greatest players, uh, someone that would be recognized as one of the top players to uh, ever play in the NBA. I've noticed it in these last two big retirements that the media wants to stick it to them on the way out the door. And it's just another thing that's going on in society that just sickens me. I heard it on my radio uh, as I was listening yesterday uh, from the local radio host. Uh, I've caught clips of Jason Whitlock on the, uh, I guess it was filling in for Colin Cowherd yesterday, uh, all of his comments about Kobe Bryant going out and, and uh, it's just really like um, a catalog. Well, wait, fill me, fill me in. What do you mean by, is this typical fan hate or give me, give me an idea what you mean, what you're calling, uh, like just give me one example of what. Listen, Whitlock went so far as to say that uh, he destroyed the franchise, Kobe Bryant destroyed the franchise, that, uh, you know, it was a slap in the face for Magic Johnson to call Kobe Bryant the greatest Laker ever. Was it a little bit of hyperbole? Of course it was. Um, then I've heard a local radio host going out of his way to say that Kobe's not even the best player of his generation. Tim Duncan is. Uh, you can make that argument, but why are you doing it now? As Kobe Bryant is trying to retire. Oh, wait from the a game second. How did he do? I want to go back to Whitlock. He destroyed the Lakers. I mean, by my last count, he destroyed last the Lakers was... franchise with his selfishness. Chased Shaq out of town. Turned a championship team into what it ended up being this season, which is a 17-win basketball team. Mind you, Kobe Bryant had a tremendous amount to do with that team being at the apex in the first place. Well, that, that's where I was going with my next statement. I was going to say, last I counted in those 20 years, I think they won five championships. That's a pretty good rate of return. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know. It's, it's, it's uh, what I'm seeing. It's just another form of how, I guess, the common folk deals with the fact that you aren't a celebrity, that you aren't an athlete, that you aren't uh, you haven't achieved the fame and glory in life. And so to make yourself feel better about where you are in life, you must tear down those who are, in essence, um, above you, so to speak. Yeah, I know that's going to hurt people's ears for me to say that, but you're a ce- they're a celebrity. You're not. So um, I feel bad about that. I wish I was you in life. So media, let's play up to that fan base that uh, would like to tear a guy down and bring him to their level so that they can feel good. And it's just making me sick. I know that this is going to continue because – and the reason I know it's going to continue, Emil, is because these things are getting a lot of play. It's getting well, pushed around. Two two points here, one specific and one then on a more macro level. First, you know, I think the thing that always hurt Kobe with a lot of fans was the whole split up with him and Shaq. And, you know, I always say the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. You know, when two people have a disagreement – you know, there's one, there's the, you know, person A's version, person B's version, and the truth, and that's somewhere close to the middle most of the time. Of course, Shaq always comes off as the lovable guy that's funny. So, you know, I think a lot of fans always took his side in that argument because Kobe comes off as more introspective, sometimes even a bit arrogant. He's he's a smart guy, um, and then you know you got Shaq, who's Mr. Jokester. So I think he always got the you know, the benefit of the doubt there. Who knows what the true story is? We weren't in the locker room, and, you know, there's always going to be, you know, different versions of the truth. Now, on a more macro level, to your point, 
Um, I think that's really an, uh, where we're headed as a society, and you see it in our politics. You see it, you know, on TV all the time. I mean, let's tear down the person that's successful. So, you know, of course, every person that made a lot of money had to steal it, right? They they didn't earn it; they all stole it. Of course, of right. course. And and that's where we're at. You know, and whatever else, you know. Whatever it is, it just you pick the subject. You know, if they're a singer, they're not very good. They just happen to sell twenty million albums uh, by sheer luck. That they suck. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's where we're at. So, you know, I mean, you're going to see more of it. We're, we've got a very very angry uh, populist right now in this country, the, the society as a whole, is it, taking a pulse. Very angry. Is it because of salaries, Emil? Is, is that what it is? Because, listen, even back, um, let's say before this grand era for sports in general, before guys were making 20 and $25 million a year to be an okay player, uh, there, was a dispor- there was a disproportionate amount of, you know, let me, not use, let me not even use that word. Movie stars have always made a tremendous amount of money since I've been in existence. So that's always been the case. Movie stars made a tremendous amount of money. And uh, if you're just looking at it plainly, it's for them to go be on a screen for two or three hours to, and, and do a film. Now, you and I both know that it takes a whole lot more to behind the scenes and in preparation for you to get those two or three hours when you go to the movie theater. But they've always made a tremendous amount of money in relation to the general population. And I don't ever remember there being um, a great deal of amount of scorn in the 70s and 80s as I was growing up for movie stars. We seem to revere them. Mm. But now... Let me, let, well, let me explain a couple things. And I have some theories both, both, both in, in different sports and in what you're saying. Number one, most of the sports that we gravitate to and watch, we've all played at different levels. Some of us in high school, into college, some of us like yourself at a, a higher division one level, but we've played them. You know, you watch football, you played football, you watch baseball, you played baseball. So in our minds, we've done what these guys have done. Now, even though you and I both know that not even, well, you closer than me, but not even close at the level of most of the sports we're watching, but we've done it. Mm. Most of us have never really tried acting. So in other words, we don't relate, nor do we, did we ever have delusions of grandeur that we were going to be movie stars. But mm-hmm. at some point, we all thought about being professional athletes, even if it was a, for a fleeting moment till reality set in. So I think there's that sure. certain amount of you, you relate to it and you're like, man, I, I, play, I play professional baseball for $500,000 and this idiot's making $15 million. Well, yeah, except you don't see what that idiot does. 365 days a year to get ready for that game you're watching on TV mm-hmm. this afternoon. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I think there's that part. Even in sports, I've said, you know, if you, you don't golf, but I used to a lot. I don't anymore. Golfers are funny because we can all relate. If you golf, you, we've all played golf, and you see a guy on TV, Rory McIlroy, what is he, 5'7", 5'8", 160 pounds. So when a guy goes on a golf course, he's mad at himself. He thinks he should play like a professional because professional golfers, for the most part, other than a guy like Tiger Woods, who's, who's built, you know, huge, they don't look much right. different than your average golfer. So we think we can do that. Now, you don't think, like, look, when I watch a football game, I don't think I can play quarterback in the NFL. But, damn, if a guy goes on a golf course, he's watching golf, and he's thinking, I look like that guy. I'm built like that guy. Why don't I play like that? 
Well, you know what, Aim? I hear what you're saying. And to a certain degree, I, I, I agree with it. But I've looked at some of the folks who have um, engaged in this kind of hate that seem to feed on it, and they're not mm-hmm. even close. They're not close uh, at all. <laughs> where these well, yeah, I agree with you. You know, so I, I don't know. There's probably not just one thing. Amol, there probably isn't. There's probably a number of reasons why this um, is occurring, but the fact of the matter is that it is occurring. And um, well, let so, me toss something out at you. I tried to explain it to you the other day. You brought this up on your Facebook feed, and I tried to chime in. And, you know, somebody said to me, well, you know, I was talking to you about elitist. Um, a lot of people that you, most of us would call elitist, where I mean, you know, they're they're living in a bubble, usually on the coast somewhere. Uh, they think highly of themselves and their education. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being educated, but you know, they think a lot of themselves. They don't understand how athletes could make this much money. It really pisses them off, because I mean, an athlete's not as important as, let's say, a heart surgeon, at least in their mind. And here's I have two arguments for that. And don't get me wrong. If you or someone in your family needs open heart surgery, the heart surgery mm-hmm. is far more important than than a stupid sporting event. But if you don't, sure. and that's the vast majority of the population, you don't. Thank God, it doesn't mean yes. anything to you. And I don't mean to sound, you know, uh, whatever word you want to use, flip it here. But uh, like tonight, I care more about Ker- Clayton Kershaw, fortunately, than I do about a heart surgeon. Because right now, I don't need right. heart surgery. You're, you're, you know, as far as you know, your heart's all good. And I so far, it. knock on wood, but and that's that's what I'm trying to say. And here's the other thing that's going to piss people off, and I know this is going to sound weird, but I want you to think if you're listening right now what I'm saying. There's more people in this world that can perform open-heart surgery than can throw a baseball 93 to 97 miles per hour where they want it to go without a major league hitter hitting it. Now, think about that. That sounds funny. You're saying, yeah, right, Emil. No, yeah. that's the truth. That's the truth. So it's well, supply true. and demand. Yeah, very true. And and, and listen, that's a great uh, – look, it took an accountant like yourself to come out with that. But that's a very good point, very good analogy. It really is uh, supply and demand. Um, most of us aren't needing a heart surgeon right now, and hopefully we never do. In the case that you do, uh, let me let you all know, um, when you go in there and you, the bill for getting your heart fixed will be enormous, okay? Um, and in terms of the amount of hours work, it will be. Um, in most cases, quite uh, more than what any athlete is making, you know, per service hour. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you're going to be in there for three or four hours, and that bill is going to be absolutely enormous. And, you know, and, and I'm again, I'm not taking a shot. I'm just, I just picked out heart surgeons. All I'm trying to say is there's more CPAs, there's more lawyers, there's more engineers than there are these people that play professional sports. And if you have a problem with what they make, there's a simple solution as a society. Stop watching. They won't make it. If you don't like what the quarterback um, you know, for the Oakland Raiders makes, I guarantee if enough people agree with you and you guys stop watching the NFL on Sundays in the millions, the quarterback won't quite be making that in the coming years. But we don't do that. We show up. It's no different. If you don't like what Denzel Washington or Al Pacino makes in a movie, don't go to the movie. The next time they oh, make not that much. It's a whole lot more fun to watch, um, even casually, and just revel in the hate that comes from uh, the media and even engage in it in social media, take it even that much further. It just 
it just soothes our soul to be doing that. Uh, and I'm getting annoyed by it, but I don't want it to take up the entirety of this show. There's a number of things that we need to get to. One of those is someone who is the subject of the hate. Kobe Bryant, how did he go out? Did we like that? Is that um, satisfactory? What do we say about his career? And uh, that final performance that he had there. The Golden State Warriors, they're chasing history. We'll touch on that a little bit. The Rams made a mega trade. Uh, who lost in that deal? We will talk about that. And uh, Lynn Swan, the new athletic director at USC. Does that make sense? Is that a good hiring? Uh, people are happy about it. Should be. We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay by your uh, computer. We'll be right back. <laughs> Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
Amen. O-M-G. Look at all of this paperwork. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers, handling the ones that you have now, and while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Anymore, you got to scroll through yeah, pictures and oh yeah, yeah. You're gonna have to click and click and click and click to the right and see 40 ads uh, on each page. And you know this is hilarious as they do this and just run up ad views. It's just ah, can I just get my list, yep. please? You have a you have a long list today. You're having a tough morning, aren't you? Oh man, just complete and total irritation. I I've got to find 
something that's just going to calm me down. Maybe doing this show and venting and letting it all out is going to help me here. We talked about Kobe Bryant uh, a little bit in the last segment as I was, you know, uh, drawing my ire, uh, placing it upon Jason Whitlock and some other media types who uh, sought fit to kick him in the nuts on his way out the door for the L.A. Lakers. But let's just focus more on Kobe here. Uh, he took 50 shots the other night. People had an issue with that, put up 60 points. People had an issue with that. You know, I thought about it, Emil. There's a little bit of danger there for the NBA if the perception is that this was somehow orchestrated like a WWE um, event where you, let's say, let's just get Kobe. Uh, well, wait, let's define months. orchestrated. I don't think there was any collusion, but I do think, and I know I'm going to piss off some Laker fans, and listen, I like the Lakers, so, and I like Kobe, and I'm glad he went out like he did, but these guys, when he started playing in the NBA, some of them were barely born, okay? So they grew up, this was not just a guy retiring. This was a hero of a lot of these guys. The Utah Jazz were eliminated when that game tipped off once the the Rockets game went final. I'm not saying they that they purposely said, hey, let's let them score 60, but I'm going to say that there may have been some all-star game style defense going on there. I don't know. I didn't watch the whole game. I saw the highlights. But um, it's just hard to believe a guy who hasn't really been going off for 30 points a game very often goes out for six, goes off for 60 in his last game at uh, you know almost age 40. You know, so there may have been some of that going on. Sure. Uh, and you know what? He jacked up 50 shots. But listen, Emil, uh, I've discussed it. The uh, Lakers were a 17-win basketball team this season. This was the final game of the year. And the Utah Jazz already knew when they hit the court that night that they were eliminated from playoff contention, and they weren't going to do much in the postseason anyway. So, hey, what the heck? Why not? What else is the interest when the Lakers take on the Utah Jazz in this particular game that night? Somebody help me with that. No, and you know, let's 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 be honest. I mean, we we've had a few over the years, just in general, orchestra. Do you remember? I mean, how about Brett Favre, basically famously running toward Michael Strahan when he was going for the sack record and basically taking a knee? Remember? Do you remember that? Yep. Just kind of okay. slid and gave it to him. I, I mean, yeah, listen. I'm sure Michael Strahan would have preferred that that did not happen that way because it kind of tainted it. But I don't know. Does does this rise to that level? And people, I don't no. Know but I mean, I mean, you and I think I think we talked about it. Would one of Jeter's last at bats or his last at bat? I think it was against the Orioles. It kind of seemed mm-hmm. like the guy threw him a fatty there. If you remember, he just you know well, threw him up. He did say he was grooving fastballs. He did admit to that. Yes, he threw him an outside fastball. He it was perfect for Jeter's swing. You always like to go to right, right center with the ball, and man, he gets a hit right. <laughs> I mean, so it's not right. It's not like that's never happened before. Sure. Um, you know, they even talked about the All Star game for Derek Jeter. So I don't know. You can get mad about that stuff if you want. Uh, I think a game like that, we're talking about the All-Star game, we're talking about a final game in an NBA regular season involving two teams not going to play in the postseason. That's a whole lot different than an NBA playoff series or the NBA finals or, you know, a game pitting two teams where it really, really matters uh, about what's going to happen in the postseason as there's a quest for a championship. So uh, if anyone out there wants to point to this and say, oh, the NBA is fixed, well then, you know, yeah, I have at it. No, I don't know. Listen, it's, it's, 
it just is what it is. Like you said, there's there wasn't a lot going on in this game other than what you know the, the obvious story was Kobe, uh, you know his retirement. So you know, I, listen, I don't think it's worth worth talking about much in that respect. He went out. It'll be something people will remember. It, it it got Laker fans and Kobe fans jazz for a night. It got the city of L.A. excited. So uh, it was good. Listen, I think it was good for the sport the way he went out. So yeah, when you have an opportunity, Emil, because um, I uh, I don't think that you have. Um, go check out any clips that you can of Whitlock's comments about Kobe Bryant. You know, I found them to be rather distasteful. Uh, the Kobe haters would disagree with me, and so you know. I'm not a Jason Whitlock fan. I mean, there's some controversial sports guys I really enjoy. He isn't one of them, so I'll, I'll check it out. I, I, you know, sometimes I think he says stuff uh, over the years just for the sake of saying things. I find him sometimes to be a little bit of a race bait or two, where you know he he sees some stuff that I, you know. I, I consider myself fairly in tune with that as, you know, as best I can be uh, from my seat. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think sometimes he introduces it where it's not def, where it's not the case. He just, just to be controversial. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of his, but I'll check it out. No, I'm sure. not a Whitlock fan either. Um, I'm kind of stuck, as I said on Twitter, as to whether or not um, he's just playing to something the execs want because it just doesn't seem genuine. Sometimes the uh, comments that he makes or he has figured out that, um, you know, my talent in this current market um, really relies on me being controversial. It's the only way that I am going to uh, attract any attention to what I'm doing, especially in, uh, you know, I hate to say this, in in anything involving me being on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, we we know how the executives work these days. Most of these guys anymore have been whipped into shape. Uh, they don't say anything, I think, unless it's scrubbed because for fear of retribution, either in the form of a suspension or being fired. Um, we, a couple, you know, I think it was last year at some point, Stephen A. Smith went off on something uh, in society. Oh, it was, I think it was with the. Uh, 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 domestic abuse stuff, and uh, he he found himself on the wrong end of a suspension, if I remember correctly. So I think a lot of these guys realize they're making a lot of money, and uh, I suspect most of this stuff is contrived anymore because they just don't want to risk their careers. We're, we live in a time where nobody really wants the truth. I mean, they say they want the truth until you tell them the truth or your, or your version of the truth, and then if it's not what they want to hear, they're pissed off and, and you, you know, you're know you a week without pay or fired or you know whatever. So, yeah, I, I think it was probably contrived. Well, let's talk about Kobe's career in a legitimate way. Where does he fit in? If you make an all-time starting five, for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers is Kobe Bryant in it, and if it is, tell me what your five. Tell me who you. Oh five yeah, well I don't know how. He, I mean, I, I I was debating this with somebody who said he's not. I said first of yeah, I mean here here's my five, and it's hard because remember the Lakers are one of those franchises uh, where you know you could have a second team too. But let's here's here's mine. You got Magic at the point. Okay, I've got Kobe in there, starting. I've got Wilt Chamberlain. I've got Cream, and then here's where it gets tough. I've got three guys that I considered, okay? Shaq, but I said to myself, Shaq played for a bunch of different teams. He had a ton of success with the Magic. He 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 wanted he came back, played for the Heat, 
And I can't have, I mean, legitimately, can I put three centers out there? The, my answer is no. And as good as Shaq was, he, to me, he's not Wilt or Kareem. So Shaq's out. Then it came down to Elgin Baylor or Jerry West. At first, I'm thinking mm-hmm. Baylor because, you know, Baylor did a lot of cool things at the time that were kind of different in, in terms of flying high and that. But then I said, I can't leave off the guy that is basically the NBA emblem, Jerry West. So I put Jerry West in there. Yeah, uh, you know, listen, I go Kareem, Magic, Kobe, Worthy, West. Uh, putting Worthy in there would probably draw a little bit of heat from some people, maybe a lot of heat, but that's just kind of how I see it. I'm no authority on that. That's just one man's list, but nevertheless, that's how that rolls. Uh, okay, we're off of Kobe because he's, he's done playing, and we're done talking about him for now, unless someone wants to call into the show on that. And you can call into the show today, the number to call is 347 347- Six three three nine three six five. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at Gridiron Studs. Let's talk about the NFL because this show is called the Gridiron Studs Show. Big mega trade going down yesterday. Um, you're you're gonna have to give me the ins and outs on this. And while you're doing that, I'm gonna you know perform some even more analysis on this. But tell me exactly what it is. The Los Angeles Rams, and I'm proud of myself for not slipping up and seeing St. Louis, but. Tell me what it is the Los Angeles Rams did yesterday for themselves, their fans, their franchise, and all of that. Well, in my opinion, first of all, they did what, why they've sucked for the larger portion of the last, you know, 20 years. They made a trade that the only way you're going to be able to analyze this in the Rams' favor is if three years from now, God willing, we're having this conversation, and the guy they draft with this pick is, you know, a franchise-type Pro Bowl-bound quarterback, because here's what the Rams did yesterday. They called the Titans, and the Rams moved up from 15 in the draft uh, two weeks from now to number one overall. They've got the Titans' first-round pick. It, they got the, let, me, let me get the Rams' side first. The Rams got the first-round pick of the Titans, number one overall. They got the Titans' fourth and seventh-round picks. I'm going to assume both are either at or near the top of each round. Okay, So they got the first, fourth, and seventh this year. Here's what the Rams the gave time. up in return. Okay. The return coming back to Tennessee, the, the Rams' first-round pick this year, which is 15, the Rams' two second-round picks, which are number 43 and 45, the Rams' third-round pick, which is number 76. Okay, we're not done yet. You think that's pretty good? The Rams' first-round yeah, pick end up next having year. Pieces, but carry on. The Rams' first-round pick in 2017 and the Rams' third-round pick in 2017. I don't mean to laugh. but I mean, the Rams okay, basically gave up year, the first three rounds of their draft this year. Plus their second round. Two. Both of their second-round picks. Right. Yeah, they gave up their second and thirds this year, which is three high picks. When you have picks in the top 100 of the draft, the Rams gave up four picks in the top 100 in the draft, three in the top 50 to get this pick. And here's my problem with it. Hold on, Amo, before you go into analysis, I want to make sure we got this all straight. You know, I'm a little slow, and there may be uh, Yeah, sure, go ahead, go go again. Like me. What they give up for 2017, along with the first round pick? The third round. That is absolutely awesome. Isn't that outstanding? I, I mean... We've been critical, Emil, of the Tennessee Titans like no one else on this show. Um, This is a shrewd move. This is a move 
for them back into consciousness. I can only hope that they take this cornucopia of picks that they have acquired from the Los Angeles Rams and get it to use it to get players of which whose names we will know two, three years from now so that I can comfortably recite 10 players off of the Tennessee Titans team, uh, an achievement I would not be able to uh, bring forth to you right now on this show. If I was interviewing today on our show, the Tennessee GM, I wouldn't even ask him about the mechanics of trade. You know what my question would be? I would say when it was all over and the ink dried on the paper and it was official, did you use lube on the Rams GM or were you at least kind enough to do that when you bent them over? Because, oh my God, I never saw anything like this. I mean, this. You know, when stuff like this goes down, Emil, I always like to know hey, how many people were in the room when this was agreed to? Is this a collective effort? Was there not one person that grabbed somebody's uh, arm and said, hey, uh, I don't know about this. I don't know that we should do this. Or is there just one person in there say, eh, you know, this sounds good. Maybe he had a scotch in his hand and said, let's run with it. Well, you know, the bigger problem I have with it on top of everything, and you can never be sure. So I'm going to throw this caveat out there. You're never sure. But here's the thing. Last year, if you did that for a Jameis Winston, even if he turns out to be a bust, which he's not going to be, of course, we saw unless something weird happens, look at his first year. There's a guy that you could point to as a GM and say, listen, the guy was 14-0, and won the Heisman, had all the measurables, led Florida State, one of the bigger programs in the country, to a national championship. You could say, you know, this guy had all the, the, the markings of a franchise quarterback. I look at the draft this year, and there's nobody that can honestly say that. Now, they may think it, and Carson Wentz or Jeff Goff may end up being a franchise quarterback. But there's not a guy, I think, in this year's draft. To me, this just reeks of drafting for need. You want to get a quarterback in place, okay? They happen to be the two this year that that are are great at the highest. So you're going to get one of them, even if in the end – in a normal year, they'd be second or third round picks. I think it's a publicity stunt personally for the Rams. I think they're moving to Los Angeles. They need something to market. It's L.A., okay? Putting defensive tackles on billboards isn't going to cut it in L.A. They need a shiny new star to try to market, and they're going to grab one of these guys to give their fans hope that they have the stud quarterback, and they're coming back to L.A., that, that's my take on it. Uh, hey, listen, correct me if I'm wrong. The fact that you have football back in Los Angeles, is that not good enough for year one and maybe even year two? Well, one thing the Rams organization is probably keenly aware of, and you've talked about this, we've talked about this on the show, places like L.A., places like Miami, the novelty can wear off a lot quicker than in, say, a place like St. Louis in the heartland. Um, you know, you may move to a town like St. Louis with a new sport for that town, which at the time, or sport coming back, and you may get four or five years of goodwill just because they're happy to have the sport back. In L.A., let's face it, if you're not relevant relatively quickly, there's other things to do. They're not going to be... They lived 20 years without NFL football and didn't seem to miss a beat. So <laughs> I, I think there's a uh, little of that going on. The talk here, um, the rumor here, the in, the inside info that's not so inside is that with that first-round pick, and the reason why all of this was done 
is that the, the uh, Los Angeles Rams are going to pick either Jared Goff or Carson Wentz with that pick. My question to you, Emil, is this. If these two young men would have come out in last year's draft, where would they have been picked? Uh, well, we, we I know I know in the first round picks uh, in last year's draft. Well, well, they're not going ahead of Winston or Mariota, not even close. Um, wasn't there a third quarterback taken in the first round last year? Somebody slid in there. You can find that information if I could get by all of the slideshows. So while you talk, I'll find that for you. Yeah, find that. I think there was a third. I'm telling you, last year, I would find it hard to believe if either of these guys got to the first round, just because. After those two, I mean, I think if you look at college careers of Winston and Mariota and compare it to these two guys, and you and you look at the measurables, it's not close. Jared Goff's a nice prospect, but the kid threw 13 picks last year at Cal. In the games against the better teams, he, there was a lot of interceptions. You pull up a game log of Jared Goff last year, you know, and you can see where he struggled against some of the better teams. So. I, I just don't know. And the other kids, uh, uh, on paper, he's six five two forty. That's great, but he's a one double A prospect. And you know, for all the guys that went one double A and ended up in the pros, the, the last one that comes to mind that was drafted high and made it big was Stephen McNair. I mean, people will say, "Oh, Tony Romo." Yeah, but Tony Romo sat for four years. There wasn't the pressure of the world to carry the Dallas Cowboys. They threw him out there one day as a flyer when Bill Parcells was pissed at Drew Bledsoe, and, and the rest is history. But he wasn't going to be the second or first pick in the draft. That's a different kind of pressure. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what about Joe Flacco? From Delaware, yeah. I mean, Flacco, but, but again, when, when Flacco was taken, he was middle of the first round, and sure. they weren't asking him to basically be the, you know, the savior for the Ravens necessarily. They already had won a yeah, Super I mean, Bowl with, with Trent Dilfer. If you pick a Carson Wentz. No, first of all, you made him the number one pick overall. Second of all, you gave away a number of important picks to get him. These aren't third, fourth, and fifth round choices that you gave away. I mean, don't even get third because third, you're getting starters in the third round in today's league. These weren't fourth and fifth round choices where where you could say, well, you know, they were good picks, but they weren't, you know, they weren't in the top 100. These were premium picks. Yeah, I'm not even going to count the first rounder for this year because you made, you know, let's just assume you traded yeah. a one for one, but then you went so far to give up this two, the the two number twos for this year, and then the first rounder for next year, and then you know, a third rounder. In 2017. Yep. I mean, you find starters, like you said, at those picks. This is what you gave up to get this guy. And, Amal, I don't get it. Uh, to answer your question, the third quarterback pick last year was uh, Garrett Grayson picked up in the third round. We went a long time after Mariota and Winston to go find a quarterback in this draft uh, last year. But these two guys here, considering all that, I don't know that they would have been first-round picks. So, at the very least, you're grabbing a guy who's going to be, uh, in essence, less than the two guys picked last year. So I don't. Well, let me I, give I mean, you the Jared. Here, here's what I just pulled up that I think is interesting. Jared Goff at at Cal this year. Okay, Cal had a winning team. They I think they went eight and five or something. But they lost four games in a row in the middle of the year to their four best opponents. They started playing Utah. They lost by six. 
He was 25 of 47 for 340 yards. That's 53% completions, which in the college mm-hmm. in the college game stinks. Two touchdowns, mm-hmm. five interceptions. The next week mm-hmm. they lost by 16 to UCLA. He was 32 of 53, 295, three touchdowns. The next week they lost to USC. He was 23 of 31 for 277, two picks, two touchdowns, two picks. And then finally against Oregon, he was 18 of 41, 43% of his passes completed. I mean, I'm just saying, they were the better teams he played. They didn't win one of the games. And his statistics in that kind of air raid offense were rather pedestrian in those games. Yeah, and it's more of a it's that's more of a look of what his life would be like in the National Football League uh, from from you know a, a matchup a competitive standpoint of what you are going up against in relation and what you have in relation to everyone else when you step out on a field on an NFL Sunday. I mean, Abel, they could have just left things the way that they were and uh, could have gone after uh, a Connor Cook, if you ask me. Go after a guy like Connor Cook who's competing more on a level in terms of uh, talent when he takes on some of the uh, bigger bigger guys in his conference, uh, the bigger opponents in his conference, I would have more flown with that. I mean, to give away um, essentially your whole draft and a portion of another to, to, to make this kind of pick just really, I, God bless him. These things typically don't work out the way. Well, as a fan this morning, I'm absolutely terrified because my I just read an article before we went on the air that Jerry Jones is privately working out uh, Jared Goff this morning or today, and uh, I'm hoping it's a smoke screen because, seriously, you might hear a noise down in, in South Beach if, if that fourth pick, if it's announced, then that's him, okay? I won't be here <laughs> that, that <laughs> following Friday. Yeah, you know, I don't, I, I really aim to believe that, that that's a smoke screen. I don't think they're going there with that, so... Um, you know, we're, we're in an era where we get to know just about everything that a team does. So yeah, they're working out a quarterback just in case who the hell knows, you know, guy might fall. I think that's what that's about. I, they can't be serious about that. Is there any way, Emil, that you can make a case for the Rams and what they did here? Can you say, Hey, listen, we got our, we're, we're, we're very good on defense. Okay. We've been that, uh, we got our guy in the backfield. Uh, sure. We probably need a really we need a go-to guy at wide receiver, but you know we feel like we can get that. And really, everyone's been saying the missing piece is the quarterback. So we have secured our opportunity to pick whoever we think is the best one in college football and the best one for the Los Angeles Rams. Well, yeah, I mean, like, listen, life is about in making decisions and you know being certain of yourself. It, obviously, they trust their scouts. And their their response to this show or any other show criticizing them would be, listen. We trust our scouts, and we want it our guy. Okay, now again, I don't know if, if I've heard stories. It could be Jared Goff. If it's Goff, then it was a dumb trade for a lot of reasons because I think they didn't have to move up to anything more than maybe third or even taking Dallas's pick at fourth. Because you know, from all for all intents and purposes, almost everybody tied to this process has said the Browns were in love with Wentz. So I have to think that it's going to be Wentz because. They wanted to jump ahead of Cleveland. and Let's assume it's him. If he's their guy and their scout says, listen, we have to have this guy, I'm telling you. Their scouts are saying, he's our guy. And if this guy ends up being Troy Aikman or Brett Favre or, you know, I'm not even going to say Peyton Manning. He doesn't have to do that. Just a guy who's a great quarterback, wins a lot of games, wins Super Bowls. 
you can look and say, yeah, it was worth it because you, the quarterback, we've talked about it. It makes everything go in the NFL. You don't have a quarterback. Typically, you don't have a chance. But it's, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy because, th- I mean, this, this is like the Herschel Walker trade to some degree. At least with Herschel Walker, you could argue the Minnesota Vikings got a proven commodity, a guy who had been to Pro Bowls, been an All-Pro, ran for 1,500 yards, was still in the prime of his career. This is not even a proven commodity they traded for. This this is yeah. this is on the come here. It's it's a it's a hope. Which if you if you came into this draft with the number one pick because you you know sucked that bad and you ended up with the number one pick overall, then okay. But you gave away other draft picks to make this happen, and that's why I said it's a double whammy. Uh, whoever the quarterback is that they pick starts off in a huge deficit, uh, and from a from a you know, a media standpoint, from a pressure standpoint, they're they're starting off in the hole, and the expectations are going to be big on top of just being a rookie quarterback in the NFL, and then you don't have the best uh, offensive talent in the league coming into this thing. So there's a whole well, look lot at how Tennessee played all the. Let's look at how Tennessee played this last year. They got a left tackle, right? They got Lewin from my Luan from Michigan, I believe it was. So. Tunsil's basically rated the number one tackle in this draft. They look and they say, you know what? If we take Tunsil, now we've got to make the guy we take took last year. We almost have to make him a right tackle because it's hard to justify using the number one pick on a right tackle. Now they can slide down to 15. There's a couple other really good tackles in this draft. The kid from Notre Dame, uh, uh, Staley. Uh, the kid from uh, Michigan State, Conklin, I believe his name is. So they can go and take either one of those guys, who, if, if that's where they're going with this, that falls to them at 15, slide the guy in at right tackle his first couple of years. They're protecting their, their, their merchandise from last year. They use the number two pick on Mariota. I, and they, they've, they've got themselves, like I said, four picks this year in the top 100 of the draft. I mean, as you said, the Tennessee Titans may be in a position that by next year, when we start the season, you and I, can name 10 guys on the Titans. I mean, that's, I'm just excited for that fact, just to be able to know people on their roster. So Tennessee, uh, you know, Jeff Fisher's old team is making moves. I, I love it. I love it. I'll tell you what. i tell you another team that if I, if I was another team, the Cleveland Browns being that team at number two, let me tell you what I'm doing right now. I'm calling the Eagles or the 49ers, one of these other teams that definitely wants a quarterback because Kaepernick's on his way out in San Francisco, and Doug Peterson cannot be tickled pink about having Mark Sanchez or, or Sam Bradford. I guess he has Sam Bradford and that uh, Chase Daniel or somebody. I mean, he, he knows he needs a franchise quarterback. I'm calling those two teams, and I'm trading that number two pick because if I'm Cleveland – I'm thinking just like you you just said, I can go grab Connor Cook, I can go grab Paxton Lynch, because all these guys to me are going to need some time and development, and it's going to be who gets the best coaching. To me, I don't think there's a guy in this draft that, that, that I just feel like i got to have him. That's what I'd be doing if I was the Browns. I would be getting a bunch of picks from some team below me. You know, I'm not even going to speculate on the Browns. Just, you know, suggesting that they do something that you believe is smart is almost a guarantee that it's not 
going to happen. So that's the deal with the Los Angeles Rams. You are now up to date on that. They gave away a ton, a ton of draft picks. I cannot remember, Amol, the last time a blockbuster trade like this in which one team gave away a large number of Oh, yes, you can, because you and I did this a couple of years ago because the Rams greased up the Redskins and traded, <laughs> traded a bunch, they got a bunch of picks from the Redskins, and the Redskins went and selected RG3, and the Rams actually but, built but, a good chunk that of that defense. Out? Did that work out? It worked out, out great for the Rams. They, they built a great defense using all those picks. Sure, it always works out for those teams that get the extra picks. Rarely ever works out for the guys that give them away. I just, I'm trying to remember when that has ever happened. And we've had a number of examples. You talked about the Herschel Walker trade. We know what Mike Ditka did when he was in New Orleans. Like he smoked the fattest joint ever and then went and made a deal. Um, and I can't remember when that's ever worked out for the team that did all that to get one guy. Oh, you were just reminding me of that Ditka trade for Ricky Williams. I think Ricky rolled him a, that, rolled him a doobie that, there. That, I, I think oh. he smoked it and then made the trade. I mean, that's the guy. Yeah. I mean, that thing was a cannabis trade if I've ever heard. I remember that, man. How about the smile on his face? I don't know if he was just happy not because of the trade. I think he just wanted to get the hell out of there and go golfing, to be honest with you. Man, I think he was smiling because the leaf he got after before he made that trade was was probably some of the best he's ever had. It's like that movie with Seth Rogen, The Pineapple Express. <laughs> he got the Pineapple yeah, Express. Mean, unbelievable. So we've got another example here. Perhaps this will be a first or one uh, one of the very few that have ever worked out not looking good for the Los Angeles Rams. You know, I was kind of contemplating because if you've listened to the show with any amount of regularity, you know that uh, I grew up a Los Angeles Rams fan. It turned all that in back in 1987. You know, and with them going back to Los Angeles – I started having these nostalgic feelings and thought, man, am I emotionally ready to be a fan of a NFL football franchise again? And if I am, why not the Rams? Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that. Just really off. Yeah, you're going to go grab yourself one of those flat brim Rams caps from Lids, right? You'd be walking around your race, but you'd be representing the Rams, and you thought to yourself, eh, I'm going to hold off. Uh, maybe not yet. No, Amal. I mean, I was going to pull out the old – 1978 Jack Youngblood jersey that I have. Um, you know, it may or may not fit. I was a little bit smaller in 78 than I am now, and just put that on and see what it looked like and watch a couple Rams games in their entirety this season. Not going to do that. I'll be right there on Red Zone uh, watching. And you know how I, you know I love those old Rams jerseys with the Youngblood and Eric Dickerson. And, oh man, I wish they'd go back to them. That'll be the only thing to watch there. The way they're going. Is if they sport Man, the old threads. I'm basically looking and, and harassing my mom for some old pics that I have of myself, both in a Pat Hayden's jersey, number 11, and a Jack Youngblood jersey, two very prized possessions uh, from my childhood, and some pictures that I have with it. It would be awesome for a flashback Friday or throwback Thursday. Speaking of Pat Hayden, because he's a USC alum, he's out as the uh, AD at USC, and in comes a former Trojan. Lynn Swan. Now, you are a USC aficionado, if, I, if that's the proper use of the word there. Um, tell me, Lynn Swan, first of all, his qualifications for this job, by the way. Tell me why he would be good in this spot, other than Lynn Swan's a really nice guy. 
and he's a smart guy. But no, he's never been an AD. But you know, you know how USC rolls. Come on, USC, it's always one of their own. I mean, that's what they want. Mike Garrett didn't have any qualifications either. He was an excellent AD, if you ask me. I mean, he didn't. He pissed a lot of people off, but he was a great AD. Swan's just a great representative for the school. I mean, I listened to his press conference yesterday. Smart guy. His one son's going to be going there. His other son happens to be at West Point. When I see Lynn Swan, this guy who ran for governor in the state of Pennsylvania 10 or 15 years ago, I think winner. That's all I think about. I see Swan, I think winner. The guy's won at everything he's done in sports. Won national championships at USC. Won Super Bowls with the Steelers. He's an NFL Hall of Famer. Can you really go wrong having that guy lead your athletic program? He's a smart guy. He's, I mean, he, he represents the school well. I mean, let's not make this like he's going to be president of the United States. I mean, I think he can figure out how to be oh, an well, athletic you know, director. Animal sports, sports is up there in, in, you know, in this day and age. He's pretty close to being um, president <laughs> of the United States. Well, I'm Come not on, saying, listen, it, it might be more important to me. All I'm saying is let's not make it like Lynn Swan can't figure out how to be an athletic director. He's a smart man. I encourage any person who just wants isn't familiar with Lynn Swan if you're a little bit younger and he's outside your generation – you can it's up on YouTube. You can watch his 20-minute presser to open up yesterday, and you'll understand why they picked Lynn Swan. I mean, the guy is an eloquent speaker. You know, just you know, he he commands the room. I mean, you know, and and it's not with a lot of yelling. He you you know you see this guy at least I do, and I know him, and you know him from his career. Like I said, I see the guy. The first thing that comes to my mind is winner. That's what I say, winner. Yeah. Um. Well, let's hope the winning streak continues. Sometimes there's nothing like being an AD and being involved in college sports uh, to bring a winning streak to an end. And I hope that's not the case here. I'm, I, you know, Lynn Swan uh, did not grow up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I do have a tremendous amount of respect for what they accomplished. And um, uh, I am a Lynn Swan fan, so I'm hoping the best for him and for the USC Trojans going ahead. Hopefully, he doesn't run into some issues like. Uh, like Steve Sarkeesian, you know, that'd be nice if he well, could have a little I think, time. I think right, the, the, the biggest difference I sense between him and Hayden, and they played together in college, by the way, because uh, Hayden's a smart guy too, but Hayden's got a, a much more, um, I don't know, collegial attitude, I would say. Like, he's like one of those guys that, you, you know, you see him with his ball cap on, on the sidelines. He's a fan, and I'm not sure – that could be that hurts him sometimes. I think. I think some there's some decisions he made there that he probably regrets. Didn't pull the plug fast enough on things. Made some coaching hires that he doesn't like. Swan strikes me as a guy that, while I'm sure he's a, obviously an alum, he's a huge USC fan. But it's his press conference struck me as I'm going to be uber supportive here. But we're going to, you know, he said he talked about that. You come to USC. Mm-hmm to win national championships. He pointed to the girls' beach volleyball team. He said, we got beach volleyball first year here. He said, we got beach volleyball. We won the national championship. He said, that's what we do here. We're going to practice to win national championships. That's how we're going to – and I I sense he's a guy that can make tough decisions if he has to because he knows what he expects USC athletics to be. And, you know, that's why I I, I sense – But you're telling me, Emil, that – you don't see Lynn Swan jogging out 
to the sidelines during the uh, Stanford game to uh, get no. intimately involved in what's happening on the field. No, I do not see Lynn doing that. He strikes me as a different kind of guy. And I'm a fa- listen. I like Pat Hayden as a person, so it's not about me. I'm not here to, you know, slash and burn uh, Pat Hayden. He's a good guy and a smart guy, but. Uh, like I said, my, my term, I guess I'll use, is collegial. He just strikes me as one of those guys that he's still on campus. He's a good guy. <laughs> I think Swan is one of these guys that's going to carry himself like I'm the face of the athletic program, and you know we're going to conduct ourselves the way I want us to conduct ourselves. Sure. Um, and, and listen, like I said, excited to see what he's able to do there and, and if he can – I don't want to say restore it. USC is not – um, crumbling by any sense of the word. Uh, maybe the maybe the you know the football team's not where it had been in its heyday. It's recent. Well, come heyday. on, you can be honest. The shine is not what it was. I mean, they're they're USC, damn it. I mean, it's like when Alabama before they got Saban, they weren't crumbling. But I mean, they're Alabama, damn it. They're supposed to win. You suppose this is something that needed to be done with the Los Angeles Rams moving back into town? Could they have gone with, let's say? Um, an, an athletic director who does not have such a name like Lynn Swan. They could have. That's just USC style, and you, you lived out there. USC is very much a closed, uh, a closed community. In other words, they they want their own. Uh, it's it's what makes the football coaching job always a challenge because people always want to go back and get a uh, you know quote unquote USC guy. So every time there's a job opening, you know, the same guys come up. Oh, well, why don't we get Fisher? Why don't and I think with this job, it was kind of good timing. I know he said he was approached by the president of the university. He was, you know, not living out there or anything. And he said, you know, he had never planned for it, but it was something he couldn't turn down. So I don't know if it was – I think it just he's a guy that they look at and say, listen, he's smart. You don't run for governor. I don't care what people say about politicians. You don't get that far politically unless you, you know, you have brains, you have speaking ability, you know how to – you know, hold a room, and you have the knowledge. So I think he was the perfect. They look and say, he's got everything we want. He's smart. He he looks the part. He 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 has substance, and we need. You know, he's a USC guy. So, you know, what I'm trying to say, I don't know if it was about the Rams as much. Yeah. Well, there'll certainly be a lot of eyes on him, and we'll see how he could uh, handle that pressure cooker, which is USC. This isn't Fresno State. He's gone to. He's gone to USC. So there'll be a lot of eyes on him. I don't know that there are uh, many other college football programs where, in recent history where the athletic director has been referenced, uh, talked about, um, and analyzed as much as what Pat Hayden was at USC. And, you know, Lynn Spahn is stepping into that. Uh, the athletic director position at USC is one, for whatever reason, that um, tends to garner a lot of attention, perhaps because the last few. Is there a school been, that could boast three former NFL players, one of them a Hall of Famer, and then the other one a Heisman Trophy winner as their last three athletic directors? Yeah, yeah, very highly accomplished. Um, former USC Trojans have held that spot, so um, that has a lot to do with it. And Lynn Swan falls right into that mold. So he's not only going to have to do his job and make tough decisions, he's going to have to make them in a bubble as everyone takes a look at it. Well, listen. We've come to the end of another great show, uh, end of another great week here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We appreciate you all for listening. Emil and I are back at it again on Monday because, yeah, something great's going to happen over this weekend. They're emancipating tomorrow. They're celebrating emancipation, so that's sure to bust out a whole lot of great stuff there, don't you think? Oh, hey, listen, I'm sure there's a lot of people happy about that, about that emancipation. Yeah, there you go. So, 
there you have it. And um, we'd like to thank you all again for listening. We're back on Monday, as I said. And uh, we appreciate you listening today. We appreciate you making us a featured show on Blog Talk Radio. For Amo Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Great Eyes Touch Show. Enjoy your weekend. Lost in a romance. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.